Hello and welcome everybody to the Austin Forum on Technology and Society podcast, the Austin Forum Upload. I'm Jay Boisseau, the Executive Director and Founder of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And I'm John Lockman, the Technology Director. And we're here with our good friend Ganesh Padmanabhan, who is the creator of the podcast Stories in AI. And April is AI month for the Austin Forum. And so we're really pleased to close this with a friend, first and foremost, and with an expert in AI who's been increasing his expertise by talking to other experts in AI. Ganesh, thanks for joining us today. Oh, Jay and John, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here for the April AI month or AI in April month. (laughs) We are so happy to have you. I can't wait to have you attend our stuff in person. We have started uh, meeting in person again. We have hybrid events and some in-person only and online only. So we're mixing things up, but we're really rebooting our podcast. And frankly, Ganesh, you're you're an inspiration to me because you have built a great podcast and uh, we are we are very proud of all of our past content, but we have done it in seasons instead of persistently. And starting with this episode, we're going to be persistent at once a week. So you're the first of our weekly episodes. That is awesome, Jay. Congratulations and and good luck. And thanks for the kind words and stories in AI. I've been extremely lucky and uh, of course, persistence pays off, but it's it's the once you get get rolling and you start having these conversations, it's like a little drug. You have to do it. You have to do it regularly. I do it every week too. And then that allows you to you, know, you learn more, you 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 get a bird's eye view of where the industry is heading, and you'll make some amazing human connections in the process. So Excited to be here and uh, excited to be your first of uh, many in this uh, in this rolling thunder that you're going to start. Well, and we are excited to learn from you, and we want all of our listeners to listen to your Stories in AI podcast. We don't pretend this one episode is going to replace a great series, but we hope it'll get them inspired to listen to your series, and we can share some highlights from it in this podcast. Excellent. No, I'd love that. It's available on all the major podcasting channels, just like this one is. And uh, I also have a YouTube video channel where I record these podcasts in person. So if you want to just, you know, not just listen to the voice, but also see the person, you can do that too. But thank you. Thank you, Jay. And one other tidbit, sort of in honor of AI April for the Austin Forum and this episode on stories in AI. John, do you want to tell everybody what software we're using for this episode? Uh, yeah, we're using a uh, podcastle.ai um, built on a bunch of different models to do um, all of the editing, uh, do some of the uh, audio tuning and do some of the noises that you'll hear in between this uh, audio chat. So AI will help produce this podcast about AI. So Ganesh, I'll ask the first question. Um what made you decide to start doing this podcast, Stories in AI? Oh, man. Um, so this was summer 2021. Last year is when I started, like late summer. And um, after I um, exited my last startup uh, in late 2020, I was with Molecular and HO and team are you know, taking it to greater heights now. So after I decided to leave and took some time off early in the year, I was really looking at this as a way to, I mean, I was looking, I was missing the whole physical connection and being in events and, you know, going to conferences and so forth, right? Because you know me, I'm a very social person. I love to go out and socialize with people. And 2020 was a hard year for everybody, for a lot of people. 2021 was not very different. And 
I was missing the whole interactions and forum. And then I was always going to these events and conferences as a speaker, which was fun because, you know, you still are there physically and you get to network and interact with people, listen to other smart people. But when I'm just doing events online and I'm just showing up and speaking at a small uh, slot, I don't learn as much, right? I mean, I'm sharing stuff that I know, but I miss that interaction. So I went like, let me create a forum to have these amazing conversations. So A, I learn selfishly. And B, the other motivation or inspiration was I was, you know, uh, uh, with some friends one Friday night and we were just, you know, a couple of whiskeys down and I was telling them about all these great things I'm learning in AI. And they were like, man, man, I wish I knew a little bit about that. I wish I can listen to something on that. And the, and then that kind of got me into thinking, okay, well, how do people take and get their content? And so, and then I like, oh, maybe I should just record these kind of great conversations I'm already having. And then you can also listen to it. And then lastly, I would say the last thing I, I fundamentally believe AI is too big and too important a piece of technology that you can just have a few elites dictate the future of this world powered by AI. Right. And I don't, you know, it's not just the, 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 the fangs, the, the Googles and the Facebooks and the apples of the world, but just in general, there is a very few, there is very few people in the world that are literally outlining the roadmap for AI today. And the only way you can ensure that the output of AI is equitable for everybody is to have more people participate in the development in the maturity, in the evangelism of that process. So that was the, the, the final thing that I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to make that commitment, go make it happen. And I have had a blast so far. That's awesome. I mean, not only, uh, you know, has the pandemic, uh, you know, made people think about the, we can do this virtually all the time. Um, now more people are listening to that, right? More people are thinking about what's, What's going on and how can I consume that information in a, in a faster way? Have you, um, what, have you thought about any common themes so far that you've, you've kind of seen between all of the different conversations that you've had since you started? Sure. I mean, um, a lot, actually. I mean, there's a, there is, I would say a few things, right? One is, I originally started off just doing AI and, you know, AI thought leaders, understanding people. And my, my initial framework of rules of the kind of guests I would invite were very simple. I want to go to people who are um, in the industry putting AI to work. That was one of the tenants, right? So a lot of the guests you'll see are head of AI, head of data, folks who are actually putting AI to work uh, in their enterprise and kind of adapting it to their domain. Right. Uh, that was one. The second thing was I didn't want to go too technical in the um, uh, conversations because I wanted it to be accessible for everybody. The goal was to inspire people to you know, be part of that moment. So I had a lot of folks who were even if some I get some amazing technical uh, folks in there, but they were always abstracting the technological complexity into how does this translate to building a career in AI or you know, doing something great with AI or being um, responsible in the use of AI and so forth? So common themes-wise, so, so that's the common landscape. Like everybody with a practical mindset, it was all about education, demystifying, uh, getting um, AI to put to good use and so forth. And then uh, from the industry. So with that lens in mind, a couple of themes that emerged out of this is one, 
I think everybody, and it's probably there's a little bit of a selection bias here, but everybody's bullish about AI. Uh, I actually met, maybe I had two guests who were, you know, skeptical, but still optimistic in the long run, right? I mean, skeptical in the short run and stuff like that. So that, that was a very strong theme. Everybody's like so bullish. And part of that was selection bias, right? I mean, you don't, if anybody's come, you know, I have reached out to some people who say, hey, listen, I mean, you've got to come on the show because you're just criticizing AI all the time. And they're like, oh, what's a uh, show called Stories in AI? Nah, I'm not coming. It's AI. I mean, you don't have a you don't have a Sarah Connor sort of a character that's come on that's oh, yeah. like, can't do it. Oh, yeah. But kind that's going to happen. There's no reason for AI. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, I did have one gentleman. I'm not going. You'll notice in one of the um, uh, episodes, I'm not going to name the person, but he had a commentary around we're completely getting AI wrong today, and he had this uh, point of view, which I think was very valid from his perspective because of his long history in AI. But he was like, we're completely doing AI wrong. And our methods during the expert system days were a lot more useful. And, and there's some truth to it, right? I mean, your, your, your scope was much narrow, scale was much not narrow, if you will, right? But I think you're trying to solve bigger, more complex problems today. So people haven't really adapted that much. But I think, you know, most of them were very bullish. Um, a couple of other things I would say, like everybody is excited. People are still struggling with operationalizing AI at scale. I mean, that is the number one uh, problem in the industry today in AI. Responsible AI, ethical AI, that whole concept is very interesting and strategic in nature. Nobody's really losing their sleep over it today. That's another thing that emerged very clearly, right? Um, and, you know, it's, and, and I personally, I'm uh, one of my portfolio companies is Credo AI. And, you know, uh, I know the team very well. They're doing amazing work in establishing um, uh, a, a, a governance platform for AI. So AI governance at scale for organizations. And they're getting a lot of traction, but all of that is still an indicator that market is coming. It's not there yet, right? Um, and then lastly, I would say, I think the barriers to entry into AI has been decimated. I mean, it's, it's, there is no longer a barrier to getting, getting into AI. There's no excuse for anybody not to be in AI today. Right, uh, which was very different five years ago. So those are some of the themes, and you know, if you want to go in deeper, we can we can go into any of that. I'm sure we will go in deeper in some of those. But I wanted to ask you about the challenges of a podcast medium, and I love podcasts, and it's been one of the things that I I really have enjoyed during the pandemic is embracing certain podcasts and and understanding why I trying to understand why I like certain ones better than others of very different types. But when you're talking about a complex topic like AI and at its root, especially deep neural networks and back propagation and things like that, and we're not going to explain those in this podcast, but when you're trying to explain those things, I, I remember a, a boss a long time ago that will not be mentioned, but asked me to explain AI to him in a time period of minutes, not hours, not days, not weeks, but minutes. And, I, and what I really wanted to say, well, you know, addition is easy. Algebra is hard, and some things are harder than algebra. And deep neural networks with backpropagation would be one of those things. So I'm not going to make you a master of this in a matter of minutes. But I did find that I was able to characterize the basic principles of what goes on and the complexities in terms that actually he understood. But it took about 45 minutes an hour 
to do even just a high level, you know, you are talking people with stories in AI. So you're not even getting to do it in an instructional format. How do you balance that? There's some deeply technical things about why AI works, but some very high level things about why it's important and what it can do. And as you just said, you can get involved in it at a much higher level now than you used to be. How do you, how do you walk that line of conveying the complexity that gives us this power while also sharing that anyone can get involved in it and be effective? You know, it's a, it's a very good question. I've, you know, honestly pondered on this, this very topic when originally starting off, I was like, look, how do I make this conversation really effective, touch all this wide variety of audiences of different skills, different backgrounds, if you will, and try to do that. And I think my initial, um, you know, the engineer mind was actually just, I was breaking it down. Like I'll have sections, I'll break it down into different topics, going to different places. Honestly, that didn't work as well, right? What really worked was, um, you know, more free flowing conversation, but not forgetting that it's a conversation, right? And I'll explain that in, a, uh, you know, two different inspirations for that, right? One is, um, you know, I grew up in India, right? India with Eastern philosophy, a lot of things, and in, everything is westernized even in India today. But Eastern philosophy had a form of education, which is very aligned to even some of the Western philosophy, like the Socrates of the world, which was very narrative oriented, very conversational, right? Uh, scriptures and things were just someone's thoughts captured in paper, but it was always very conversational and it was free flowing. It was open-ended and the exploration, it was about exploring a topic from a vantage point and then expanding that vantage point or aperture of that topic discussions over time, right? And that was the whole thesis of how, I mean, at, at least I, how I understood of how you know, philosophy was taught, especially Eastern philosophy, Gurukul education, and so forth. So that was the inspiration. I actually, what I did in uh, in my conversations was trying to take that mindset in, right? You, you kind of get a topic that is, I wouldn't uh, select the topic as being broader or, or narrow, but it's more like, let's start here, right? And then let's ask the question. I'll, I'll give an example. It was like, look, what worries you in AI today? is a conversation, I used to ask that very often. And then I realized when I was just asking that question and I was having that all the way. Spoiler I never... alert, I'm gonna ask you that question later, but good, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking. Well, I have, a, I have an expl uh, exploration <laughs> for it, right? But keep going. But what, what I realized is instead of having a steady set of questions that you keep asking, you start somewhere that is unique to that particular guest. And then you let the conversation flow through, right? So one of those questions saying, what's wrong with AI? Um, opened up someone's background in terms of like, look, I was a, I, I, I this this gentleman was uh, talking about. Um, I mean, there's a few different conversations. I want to talk about one person, but so I had the founder of Siri who sold Siri to Apple, and um, he was also the founder of Bixby, sold that to Samsung, of course. Deep back, he was also the founder of Change.org. It's Adam Scheer. And Adam was on the conversation, an hour-long conversation, and the we didn't have anything scripted. We just had like I, we started in one place. Like, why is conversational medium uh, critical and important? And it was a it was a question like you just asked, right? The format of the podcasting, and that went us that went into so many different explorations. And then we always brought it back to that particular point of view, closed that loop, 
just to know that another uh, open end was started and then that went into another direction and come back in, right? But I think the whole, in podcast format, not forgetting that you're actually having a conversation, that's what makes it so powerful, right? And I, what I love about, and I know you love the podcast medium too, right? It's literally a very intimate conversation. You have people, especially if you're wearing headphones, you have someone in your brain, you know, telling you about a topic. It is the most intimate way, form of conversation that you can have. So keeping that in mind and having the structure of the conversation more conversational goes a long way. And then, and that's why, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast is a super hit, but it's completely unstructured and just you go head right into it and, you know. Uh, well, it's there's a lot of audiences. I'm I'm not I'm not to say I'm a fan, but you know nobody gives an artist the faces that were made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad this is an audio podcast. He's, he's an artist, right? And, and or or even like for that matter, if you like uh, um, um, Alex Friedman's con, uh, um, uh, con podcast, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's uh, Lex Friedman. It's it's amazing how he goes right into a topic and there's no background, there's nothing, there's no easy loose talk, very different styles, right? But everybody has this thing about conversational, their style, right? And my my style, at least what I'm trying to do is like make it easy, make it conversational, make it very engaging, right? And it helps that I know a lot about the topic or I've had the experience. So I can bring in my own points of view into those conversations, which when the the guest is actually listening to you and they're like, Oh, that's an interesting point. Then it really becomes a conversation, right? It's not one directional. It's so that's what the I hardest. Like. It's the hardest part is being able to tell that story and and you know tying it into the the things that relate back to your real life and that you're thinking and that you know we're all thinking together like that collective we exactly. And and yeah. I tell you, I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. It's one of the easiest way to do that is just to frame what the other person said in your words and give it back to them, right? I mean, it's a very simple technique. It's tactical, but it also confirms understanding, right? We use it in conversations all the time, subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Do that on the podcast. It's amazing how the person will respond saying, I never thought of that point that you just said. And then that becomes an open-ended conversation right there, right? So uh, anyway, that's my view of like the the, the podcasting uh, mantra, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was really asking about explaining the complexity of AI, but what you got into was an even more important lesson about how to use the medium effectively. And by the way, Ganesh, I really like that. I listened to a podcast with Brene Brown, who had Dak Shepard and Tim Ferriss on it. And Tim Ferriss and Dak Shepard both admitted they have very different styles of podcasting. Tim said he wants to honor his audience. He said he knows he's not the most natural fluid conversationalist, but he does his research. He prepares, he honors the listener with a structure and a flow that enables them to get information, the most information in the best order in the most reasonable use of time. It's their very efficient podcast. Dak Shepard, on the other hand said, I have conversations with people and we, I hope that people like the intimacy of the informality of it. And he said, I realize I'm, I'm lucky I get access to certain really interesting people that maybe not everybody could get in a podcast, but I, sure. I, I get interesting people and we have conversations and see where they go. And so both those methods can work. I'm just, I guess I'm curious as to how you, how you balance the latter method with the complexity of AI that lends itself to a normally to a structured method. 
but at least if you're teaching it as a workshop, as John and I are about to do in a few days, we're teaching an AI workshop and that won't be so conversational as it will be structured learning. But yeah, no, I, I you look, it, it's also my biases, right? I personally, I'm a very unstructured learner, right? You know, how I learn things is by doing, by asking questions, exploring a topic and so forth. So it's a little bit of that, you know, bias that I come with that. But I think with AI, the way you do it is, you know, as I said, like you pick a topic that is, you know, that is explorable, right? To me, it was more about like, so I don't try to cover all the ground in every podcast, right? And some conversations will be all about ethical AI and responsible AI and, you know, dissecting that from different perspective. Um, I just had a, a guest uh, who I launched the uh, the episode this this morning. His name is Vilas Dar, uh, who is the um, president of Patrick J. McGovern Foundation for Data and Research. So Patrick uh, McGovern was the uh, founder, is the founder of uh, IDC, the, the big empire. Um, and he had an amazing a point of view, and it was all about how do you point technology to more impactful endeavors, right? And we did touch about data, the challenges with it, and AI, and how to put it to use and stuff. But it was all about, look, how do you inspire more people to do good with AI? How do you uh, coax the governments to actually do more to enable the ecosystem so people can do more with AI? And all of that stuff. And we didn't even touch core technology in that. But that was an interesting, if, if, you know, again, it, it also, my audience primarily are folks who want to get, uh, a uh, like, so they love the longer form conversations, right? And like my podcasts are at least 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, and so they enjoy that and they enjoy that free flowing exploration so far, right? And obviously it's a growing audience. So now I'm hearing, I get requesting, can we make short parts of this and quick videos and I can bet you know there's some kind of there, that's a part of the demography but it is uh it is what it is yeah, please, everyone. No, we always get that can you get can you get some bite-sized pieces I just need to understand what's going on and it's not I that tweet size podcast right yeah yeah can I get that in a, a couple of characters 160 or so um <laughs> you know there's a lot of different tentacles to go down in the route of AI I mean mm-hmm. even in ethics and 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 all sorts of different places. What's your favorite that you've heard so far that or favorite interview that you've had so far in the, the weirdest end of, of AI? Well, uh, I'm not going to name who's my favorite episode because all of them are, you know, it's like, I, it'll be, I'll have to name like 54 different episodes so far. So that's not going to happen, but there was a lot of very interesting conversations, as I said. Um, you know, some areas that I love exploring is in this. You know, the practical side of it. It's the boring side, which is like, hey, what's stopping you guys from scaling it? Um, you know, scaling AI efforts in your organizations, right? It's very boring because everybody, you'll get the, you expect the answers like, say, oh, I don't have MLOps toolkits, I don't have people and stuff. But then you start realizing the, 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 and you, you peel that onion a little bit more, you ask a, a few more deeper questions, and then you realize, like, well, it's basically because people really, not everybody's on the same page what it can do for them, right? It comes down to a human problem, right? So that's one of the areas that, you know, it, it kind of like it, it, sometimes I've had guests tell me, eh, I don't want to go there because, you know, you basically have, uh, you're asking me saying, okay, is my boss the right person who's not doing it? Is my CEO, does they, does, uh, do they not get what we're trying to do? So things like that. So we, we, 
but but I think the people aspect of what does it take in terms of organization structure and so forth to make AI um, um, uh, to to scale AI efforts is one topic. The other thing that is, um, you know, one of my uh, emerging favorites is like so most of AI work that happens in the industry today is on structured data sets using statistical machine learning, right? And it, my pet peeves on AI, so two, two things, one, two corollaries to it. One is unstructured data is 90% of all net new data generated and nobody's doing enough yet on one on the one hand, right? So, uh, so that's an area that like I keep exploring and peeling the onion. There's a layers of layers of abstraction that is being built right now with the foundation model, the language models, the GPDs, the birds of the world, right? Where it's creating so much of abstraction where I was, you know, talking to somebody earlier today and they were telling me how, you know, humans don't use language as the primary, you know, um, inter-brain communication mechanism. You don't translate everything to language and put it in there. There are neurons firing we don't even know, right? But there is there is an early indication of our market with these foundation models and everybody more and more using it, using languages that medium, right? Where you take a DALI model from, uh, you know, OpenAI, and then you convert a video to text, and then you pass that text through uh, an, uh, a GPD-3, to get some emotion out of it, and then you turn that back into an image in a, with a uh, uh, with one of the Allen AI models, right? Or you turn so, that into lyrics for your next, it, you know, emo band. Exactly, you know. right. So that is an early uh, indicator. I don't know whether it's going to really scale and stuff, but I think so. That the whole unstructured data is being very fascinating for me and adapting it to different domains and so forth. And the last thing I would say um, on. Um, on AI in general is, I think the, I, I mentioned it earlier saying the barriers to entry into AI has gotten a lot lower. So then the question is, where is the value capture left in the industry? And I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I'm building my next company, which is in the intersection of healthcare and applied AI. And uh, one of the things that we're learning is domain adaptation is still a huge opportunity for AI. There's a lot of general purpose AI, and then there's a lot of um, narrow niche vertically integrated products in AI, right? But if you look at the evolution of any enterprise that is looking at using AI, they don't want to buy AI. AI is only valuable when you have deep um, competencies within and you're building something that is fairly optimized and unique for you and stuff, which is creating this huge uh, opportunity where in on the one hand, you have cloud vendors that are giving you, like, here's all the tools you'll ever need. Go build your AI systems. On the other hand, you have this saying, oh, don't worry about the cloud tools. I have an intelligent chatbot that asks people to come back and, and, uh, and renew their subscription. That's all it does, right? The Both extremes are really hard to put a value to over the long term over the long run, or even the median run, right? So what is that level of abstraction where you do just enough AI that's general purpose, but adapted to a particular broad set of domains, like healthcare, like life sciences, like you know something like disease modeling, that can then be used for, by others to build their own unique capabilities or IP on top of that, right? So those are some of the favorite conversations that I can think of at 10 o'clock in the night. <laughs> Well, now I'm going to get to the question that I asked you as a spoiler alert, which is, what worries you about AI? After holding all of these conversations, mm. what is your top worry? And maybe two or three other quick ones. Yeah, so uh, my top worry is less about 
artificial general intelligence taking over the world or doomsday and stuff, right? It is still the concentration of power with AI. It's unintended or intended consequences of a small set of people who managed to have early victories in the AI arms race, right? And let me explain, right? It's the, um, we're, we're talking right after the Twitter deal uh, has opened up and it's hopefully it'll close in the ne- next six months. Like I have no qualms with free speech, no qualms with Elon Musk, amazing entrepreneur and stuff. But that does raise questions about concentration of power with a lot of money on the one hand. And also now the world's largest microphone at his disposal. This is the topic of a future podcast, but okay. (laughs) Right? So, I mean, that's an example. And then it's just think about the same thing, right? What AI does is it amplifies the human capability, both good and bad, right? So, you, you, you know, the simple things where you're, you know, we talk about that in terms of biases, right? You have your bias that's coded into a model or into the data set. It's going to be amplified when you run that thing at scale. Same thing, AI is a lever, right? That allows you to scale what you're already doing. So my concern is there's going to be good actors who's going to get their uh, hands on AI, bad actors that's going to get their hands on AI. So what worries me is the concentration of powers within AI is going to go to a certain set of people. And if it's not really truly democratized, not everybody's participating in it, then you don't really, I mean, you're, you're rolling the dice on whether that core set of people is going to turn into Dr. Evil or not, right? So <laughs> that that is my, and I, I'm not making any connections here, but the, 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 that, that is a worry that you have to think about. In I don't know, you brought up Elon of- Musk and Joe Rogan. I'm not sure where you're going with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a, it's a, so that's, that's, I would say not a worry, but I think something that I think we all have to do our part in getting more and more people involved in it. And you guys are doing it and the Austin forum is doing it. We've known each other for so long. And I think it is the, it's an imperative that everybody needs to not just know about AI, but just have to have the opportunity and they do to participate in AI. Ganesh, I couldn't agree more. And that is why we do the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. I'm a, I'm a big fan of realizing that progress is proceeding exponentially while time passes linearly, which means every day there's more that you don't know than the day before. That's a pretty <laughs> scary thing when you realize the way those two lines work. So the good news is through education, we can reset. I don't have to invent fire or the wheel tomorrow through education. I can start roughly on the shoulders of the giants that came before all of us, but it's still hard to keep up in an era of steeply exponential progress. And so it's important to have conversations and education at all levels from beginning to advanced and uh, uh, conversations on the subjective issues that we need to deal with as humans, like ethics and bias and fairness and such in AI. So uh, really appreciate what you do with the podcast. And I appreciate you calling out the Austin Forum because that's what that is what we try to do with different technology topics. We've really focused on AI this month, but we try to do it with different technology topics because it is it's hard to get everybody to understand the importance of their voice. And yeah. they they may not be the thought leader in it, they may not be the CEO of a company in it, but ultimately they have to vote on issues and Sometimes it's voting at the poll. Sometimes it's voting with their wallet. Sometimes it's voting in other ways, like contributing a post to Medium or something. But they have to vote and 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 decide where they stand on things and help shape the future in their own way. I 
Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the future is super bright. We all will need shades, but I think it's also in us to make it that bright, right? I mean, there is a, there, there is a tremendous amount of, I, I was listening to um, uh, Elon Musk's um, recent interview from last week at the Gigafactory opening. Uh, there's actually a segment, I think it's a TED talk. Well, one of the TED guys, he does, I don't think Elon will go do a TED talk, but he went and the TED guys went there. And so they, he spoke to them and he talks about this notion of, we're going to enter, uh, or we're already entering an exponential age, right? Where the, you know, it's going to be an age of abundance for everything, which is great, right? I mean, it's, I, I believe that that is the, 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 the amazing um, opportunity in front of all of us. Like we're going to, the, the abstractions of like, people don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about, I mean, there's still a lot of people worrying about food and hunger and shelter on the world, but hopefully with the exponential technology progress, we can alleviate a lot of that, right? The bigger question is going to be then what will people start doing with their time, with their energies to, and then will they continue to make this a better place and make it even better and so forth, right? So they, you know, that, you know, you should, it's a, it's a good interview to listen to. Um, and that gave me this, these thoughts in my head after I listened to it, but yeah. I like the positive outlook. I'm going to get my sunshades for the bright future. Um, <laughs> no. And I, and I agree. I mean, you know, uh, AI is the next fire for humanity. This is our, this is our time to, to, to augment ourselves in a way that we didn't ever think was possible where we have no idea what will come next. But, and, you know, I like to always say that, like, you know, AI is this amazing amplifier, right? It's a Jarvis suit that we can have around us to amplify our own potential. Um, and the, the future is going to be, I mean, uh, hopefully we, it's all in us to make it happen, right? Where we can, everything that we don't want to do, even though we are capable of doing, can be done by AI, right? Because it becomes a choice for humanity, just increasing choices for all of us, right? So I think... Uh, the future is definitely super, super bright, right? Super, super bright. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ganesh. This has been awesome talking to you today. Yeah, this is this has been great. I, I'm we're so happy to be back and really admire what you've done. Um, really hope that we can build an audience for our objective of educating and informing people about the positive impacts of technology. Uh, in society and, you know, alerting them to what the dangers are so they can help solve those along the way to realizing the potential. But this has been a very uplifting conversation. And thank you very much for being part of this. Thank you, Jay and John. Thank you for having me and glad to be a part of this journey that you guys are embarking on as well. And a quick plug, you know, go to storiesinai.com. You can find the links to all the different um, uh, places to subscribe to it and the YouTube video channel, you can subscribe there or just go and click on the website and you can subscribe to all of that from there. So thank you so much for having me here in the show and uh, um, good luck. Good luck with uh, getting this off the, off the ground. It's awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you to our listeners. And we will be back with you again next week. Of course, as you've, if you've discovered this, you've probably realized you can find our podcast pretty much all the usual places. We hope you'll share it with your friends, though. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.